Girl Camper is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. To learn more about what Progressive can do for you, call 1-800-PROGRESSIVE or go to progressive.com backslash RV. Hello, my name is Janine Pettit and I'm a girl camper. I go places and I do things in my little 1966 Go Tag Along vintage travel trailer. Along the way, I meet many interesting people traveling the back roads and I want to share their stories with you. We will talk about the qualities of what makes a girl camper and how you can become a girl camper too. The girl campers are having a party and you're invited. Stay tuned while I share what's happening on the back roads of America the Beautiful. Welcome. This is Janine Pettit, Girl Camping Ambassador, Blogger, Adventurist, and Podcaster. And this is Episode 33 of Girl Camper, the Podcast. Well, my special Special guest today is none other than my very own Mr. Sister, my husband Rick. Rick is coming on the show today to talk about our travels to Riverside Retro to pick up our new trailer. He has been my partner in life for the last 34 years and the man who made my girl camper dreams come true. And today we're going to be talking about the different travel styles of spouses. So I'm all about the journey but my Mr. Sister is all about the destination, and it all came to the surface this week on our road trip to Indiana, and we're going to be talking about how to find that middle ground and be a good travel companion. So whether you're traveling with your mister, your best friend, your mom, or your neighbor, learn how to be a good travel companion. We're going to be back in a minute. Girl Camper is sponsored by Progressive Insurance. For many of you, your weekends are spent on the open road. Feel confident knowing that Progressive's 24-7 roadside assistance will never leave you stranded. In fact, Progressive will tow your RV and your vehicle, even if your vehicle isn't insured with them, so you can travel without worry. Call 1-800-PROGRESSIVE or visit Progressive.com backslash RV today. And I just insured my new Riverside Retro with Progressive. I'm going to talk about it next week, but I got this added coverage in case I'm ever stranded. I won't be stranded. We'll be here in a minute with our news roundup. Well, in our news roundup today, it's all about our trip to Indiana to pick up our brand new Riverside Retro. So I took a road trip with my Mr. My Mr. Sister. He took five days off work at the height of his busy season to go out there to Indiana with me. Now he said he didn't want me to drive alone, but I drive alone all the time. So I think there might have been just a pinch in there of the home inspector in him that had to go over that trailer with a fine tooth comb before I brought it home. 
and there were some things he found not with the construction of the trailer but things that I did not order that we had to um, stay on an extra day and have done and we'll talk about that part in a minute but I've been getting a lot of mail from people and they're asking me why did I pick the Riverside Retro? So I want to talk about that today in the News Roundup because I had a lot of thought went into why this ended up being the trailer. So sometime last year, I think I talked about this on the show, but for new listeners, I had a little meltdown on a camping trip with the girls last summer where I just hit the wall with that vintage trailer of mine. And we were at a state park and it had no hookups and I couldn't even run a fan in there at night and I couldn't get the thing level and one of my uh, stabilizing jacks slipped out from underneath the trailer and actually cracked in half and my trailer actually rolled even though it was uh it had wheel chocks and everything and I just got home and I said to Rick you know I've had it I've had it I you know that's a charming little trailer for two days two hours from home but this is not the kind of trailer you take on the Lewis and Clark trip and I knew with my youngest going off to college there were new and greater adventures I wanted to take and I needed something stable under my feet I didn't want to worry about the frame, the tires, how old it is. If Every time I bring my vintage trailer home, I have to screw the door back in. So I was getting a little tired of that. And so I started really looking at trailers and really looking at all the options that were out there. Obviously, I'm probably at more RV shows than most people. So I really took in a lot of information and ultimately I ended up choosing the Riverside Retro for a number of reasons and I just want to share them with you. And I I talked about this in episode 23, things to consider when buying a trailer. So here's what I considered in purchasing my own um, trailer. The number one thing that I had to stop and think about was how I was going to use it. So I have my little 1966 Go Tag Along travel trailer. It has a pressure hose that just brings cold water into the trailer. It does not have gray water tanks underneath it, so I have to keep a bucket under there or I have to carry a tank around on wheels that I have to take to a dump station and dump. So that was all getting a little old to me. And so I stopped and I thought about how I was going to use this trailer. And I wanted to use it on a more um, long-term trips. So, I mean, I can put a little bucket of, all I do is brush my teeth in there and rinse out my coffee cup. So that didn't have to do, um, I, that, that was fine for just me. But we also have a 1967 Frolic, which is 18 feet long and sleeps four people. And that one had a, uh, It didn't have a hot water heater either. It only had a pressure hose bringing cold water into it. It no longer had tanks underneath. We had those removed. So it was basically a larger version of what I had, although very charming. It had a nice birch wood interior. It was extremely cozy, and we really loved it. Well, it pulled out of the driveway today. A lovely couple from Florida drove all the way up here to get it, and they felt like they won the jackpot in getting it. 
And uh, and so we were thrilled to see it go to a a new home and new owners. And so that is the camper we use when we're couple camping or camping with any of our children, if we can get any of them to come with us anymore. That's extremely rare these days. So I knew the number one thing about how I would use a new trailer is that it would have to do double duty because I was not getting rid of my lake house trailer. One of the trailers in our family was going and it was going to be Rick's. We call it Rick's camper, even though it was the family camper. Rick's camper, because nobody was allowed to put stuff in it but him. It was never decorated like a girl camper. I was not allowed to glamp it. My husband likes a minimalist look in a camper. So that was Rick's camper and it went. One of them was going to go and I was not giving up my, my sister on the fly girl camping lake house trailer. So... That trailer went today, and when choosing a new one, I knew that it would have to do double duty as our family camper, and also for me to use on girl camper trips when I'm going a long distance. In my mind, I'm still thinking I'm going on this Lewis and Clark trip, you know, which is going to be like three and a half weeks next year, but it's going to be six weeks all in all, because it's going to take me four or five days to drive to the starting point of St. Louis, Missouri, and then I'm going to drive the three and a half weeks on trip and then Rick is going to fly out to Oregon and we're going to take two weeks to come back with the thing so we're going to be on the road a long time and I didn't see either of the vintage trailers being comfortable or safe for that long of a trip so I knew the trailer number one it had to do double duty it had to serve as the family camper and my girl camper so I knew that it wasn't going to be all mine. So I had to make choices about that trailer that would accommodate Rick as well as myself. So I couldn't look at it in the same way I would look at a trailer purchase as if I was just making it for me as my own personal girl camper. So the number um, two thing in my, what I, when I was considering buying it is that I, I needed it to accommodate Rick and, and he was, happy with the choice you know I chose it but he he signed off on it he he looked at it and he said you know what I think this is the best of both worlds so the number two thing it had to do for me as well as accommodate Rick is that it had to have um, the possibility of guest use so I really like a dedicated bed for two people in a trailer, and but I want to keep the trailer small. So I really had a hard time finding a trailer in which I could keep it small enough. I wanted it under 20 feet, and that seems big to, by girl camper standards, but this trailer is 18 feet from the bumper to the um, tongue jack. So that is small by girl camper standards, although it looks huge to me compared to my little one. So I needed it to have guest use. I needed a second dedicated bed in it. And the Riverside Retro 176S, which means it has a slide, which is what I purchased, does not have a guest bed. So I'm getting around that this way. And everything in your trailer purchase becomes a trade-off because That perfect girl camper trailer doesn't exist yet. There is not a manufacturer making that girl camper trailer by my standards and by the standards of the many, many, many other girl campers of what they're looking for and what I see them modifying their trailers to do. You can't purchase at this time what it is girl campers are looking for. So everything is a trade-off. 
So for me, and I've talked about this on the show, and here's the trade-off. I really like a bed and a table. I like a dedicated table. I want to sit down at the table in the morning with my coffee cup and my laptop. I gave that up in order to get the extra bed. So what I had them do at the factory, and don't call the factory and ask them to do this because they were not happy about it. (laughs) They did it as a favor for me. And one of the podcast listeners wrote to me and said, did they do that just for you because you're a girl camper or will they do that for anybody? So I called them up and asked and apparently they did it for me because I'm girl camper. (laughs) Somebody thinks I'm special. Anyway, they will actually do it for you, but they charge you and they didn't charge me to do that, but they did that as a favor because they know I love their product and, you know, I'm talking about their product and they, and, and my friend Tim who works there, you know, he knows how much I love what they make. And so he asked them to go out on a limb and do this for me. So if you were to special order that trailer, every time you make a change in it, they charge a substantial fee. So my advice was if, is if you decided to do this, just get the trailer at home and modify it yourself, which is what most people do. So I asked them to take out the little booth. So the slide out part contains a booth and a table. And I just did not want that booth and table because I was going to modify that and put in a day bed that will pull out into the walking area of the trailer and become like a a full size bed. This way, when my daughter is traveling with me or my mom is coming with me on the 4th of July, we're going up to pick up my Aunt Sue and we're going on a crazy girl adventure up in Massachusetts. We're going to go camping at Normandy Farms outside of Boston on the Thousand Trails people. And so when we do that, my mom will have her own dedicated bed. So my husband is at the hardware store as we speak picking up the wood, and we we have a very short time to turn this trailer around before it's going to be on display at the Country Living Fair in Rhinebeck, New York. But I have it in my head. I know what I'm doing. Just a question of marking out the time and doing it. So I gave up the booth, and I'm going to custom fit this day bed in there, and I'm going to get around my table problem in two ways. So I went over to Pier 1, imports and I got this really cool side table that slides under your couch it has um it's l-shaped well actually if you imagine a rectangle it has one side missing so it slides up against your couch and can go left and right and it basically cantilevers over your cushions so I bought a really pretty version of that and it's large enough to hold my laptop in a coffee cup and I'm really getting the mental picture of myself laying in that day bed with my laptop and my coffee cup. And one of the things that's just a total guilty pleasure for me when I'm camping is laying around in my camper with books and magazines and watching (laughs) streaming Netflix things that I never get to watch at home. I mean, that's the kind of thing I do when I'm camping. I get in my trailer at night after the campfire is over and, you know, I catch up on... um, all my TV shows and I watch those things. So I I think it's going to be a good trade-off for me. So the third modification, um, the third thing about how I'm going to use it is I made the choice not to have a stove put in my trailer. So that was another modification the manufacturer did for me. And 
it's not one they like doing because when those countertops come in, they're pre-cut by the manufacturer of the countertops with the stove in them. So they had to custom order that countertop for me with the countertop still in there. So um, they did that for me and, and I'm very grateful. And I do a lot of chopping and dicing and I just needed the counter space and I almost never use my stove. I have one of those plug-in electric hot water kettles. The uh, trailer has a built-in microwave. I have hot water on demand and the Girard company gave me a tankless hot water tank. So it's no tank. I have hot running, hot running water on demand through the system. And I'm going to review that later because I'm thrilled with it already. I'm going to tell you all about it because that is an upgrade you might want to make someday. So I didn't get the stove and I picked up all that counter space. I bought an induction cooktop two years ago when I did my lake house trailer. It's never been out of the box sitting in a cabinet in the lake house, never used it once. So I don't really think I'm going to miss that. I have an electric skillet that I use a lot when I'm camping and we cook outside a lot. So I'm, I'm really not thinking that's going to bug me too much. So it may bother people if I ever went to resell it, but I, I don't see that happening. So the number one thing I considered is how I was going to use the trailer. The second reason I have for picking the Riverside Retro is this. I absolutely love its vintage style. I really can't think of another trailer out there being manufactured today that really has that canned ham look. Some of them have a curved front and a straight back, and then there are the ones that are like the R-Pod or the Mini Drop, and they're rounded and curved, but they're flat on the bottom. I just love the shape of these trailers. I think they're so pretty and classic and iconic. And I really, really liked that. So I really loved that shape. And the other thing I loved about it that I considered a vintage style thing is that it's one of the few trailers that you can order that has that birch wood interior. So one of the things I really feel that uh, is a truth statement about the women who camp. And we use the phrase all the time, camp like a girl. But when I stop and I think about what that means, it's something different to each person. But I think the common denominator in all of that is women who camp like girls, they are women who sew. They, these are women who make homes. So when they're camping, it's no different. They sew, they collect, they create. Their grandmother's bedspread and their Aunt Betty's tablecloth, that just means something to them. And so the setting that you put those things into has to match. So I think the Riverside Retro is the closest thing I could get to a new trailer that has the match to the era of all the things that are important to me because I have the bedspread in my trailer that my grandmother gave me when I got married, the George Washington nubby bedspread, which is so beat up you can't believe it after 34 years, but I still love it and my grandma gave it to me as a shower gift and I will never get rid of it and it looks so classic and beautiful against those birch wood walls. I just love that homey vibe that you get inside that trailer. Now, I did go for a couple of modern touches, and that would be the slide out, 
which gives you so much walking around floor space in there. There, I had them take out that black and white checkerboard floor. I keep telling them at that factory, you're either a 50 soda shop or you're a lakeside cabin, but you can't be both. You got to get rid of this checkerboard floor. But anyway, I had a different floor put in. They put like um, a, it's a linoleum floor, which I like because I've had peel and stick floors that are um, from Home Depot where each tile goes in individually and they do begin to curl up. So this looks like a hardwood floor, but it's all one sheet of vinyl, which I think is going to be maintenance wise a lot better. What happened at the factory is that my husband got there and said, where's the awning? And I said, oh, honey, I didn't get an awning. And he, said, he was flabbergasted. Why not? And I said, because I was imagining that I would put this striped canvas awning on. I was going to buy a C channel and put the have a custom made awning with the sides and it would look very vintage. Well, the reality is we stood there in the factory. My husband is six foot two and he he did not, from standing on the floor, did not reach the top of the door even of that trailer. That trailer sits very high off the ground. It has a raise kit on it, so you can go over rough terrain. And Well, that trailer's got to be eight and a half feet from the floor to the top. This would mean every time I put the awning on, I would have to back my truck up against the side of it and stand on the side of my truck and feed the awning in. And the reality of life on the road is that if I'm on a trip like um, the Lewis and Clark trip, you're stopping at a new place every day, which means you're not going to have an awning because you're not going to do that every day. That may be something you would do for a vintage trailer rally or when it's on display at the Country Living Fair or when you're parked at one site for a week. But on a daily basis or for two nights, that would be a huge hassle. So my husband appealed, I think we need the awning. And I said, yes, you're right, we do. So I, I gave up that vintage look, but you know what? I'm going to hang pretty lights on it, and it will, it'll be great. So my third reason for buying the Riverside Retro was this, the quality of the product. The reality is white water has an excellent reputation for quality. I know that they have a 2% warranty, which is very low in the industry, I also know that I liked the welded aluminum construction of these trailers. I have torn apart half a dozen or more vintage trailers and seen all the rotted wood in them. I love that it's framed out with welded aluminum so it can't fall apart inside if water got in it. And I don't know how water would get in it. I mean, they're not like the old ones, but I loved that a, a welded aluminum frame. And I also like that Every time I hear, and you go online, and I encourage anyone to do this buying a trailer, if you go online and you look up the company, you look up their um, reputation, and you just put in Google, chat room, Riverside Retro, White Water, I saw problems with every single trailer I looked into, but here's what I heard and saw about the White Water. I had this happen. I took it into the factory. They fixed it. They charged me nothing. That's what I want to know. Did they make good on it? I didn't find anybody who went to Riverside with a problem and didn't get satisfaction out of it. And that, to me, is what makes a good manufacturer. You cannot put together something with all those parts and expect zero problems. So I was impressed by the way this company made good on their warranty. 
So that's why I chose my Riverside Retro. It's out there in my driveway now. My husband is literally at the hardware store buying the things that we're going to do. And so stay tuned. It's going to be at the Country Living Fair in Rhinebeck, New York in two weeks, June, June the first weekend of June, June 3rd, 4th, 5th, I think it is. I have four tickets to give away. Premium tickets from the Stella Shows. They are early bird these tickets are for the whole weekend long. They get you in early, Friday, Saturday. There is no early bird on Sunday. The tickets are valued at $40 each, so it's a $160 giveaway, and I'm going to give it to a lucky listener. And it's the same thing. Just go online and sign up for girlcamper.com for our um you know, news alert. So when a new blog post comes out, it comes automatically to you. Everybody who's already on is always still in the winning or in the race. So that's the story on the Riverside Retro. We're not going to have any um, campfire chat today because we're out of time. There was just so much news about the Retro. So we're going straight to the interview with my Mr. Sister and I'll be back after that. Camper is sponsored by Progressive Insurance. If you're looking for a fun road trip this summer and love country music, point your RV toward Wisconsin and head on over to the Country Thunder Music Festival in Twin Lakes, July 21st through the 24th. The Progressive RV will be on site with fun activities and opportunities to win some great prizes. For more information, visit wisconsin.countrythunder.com. Welcome, listeners. Each week, I like to think that my guest is a special guest. But this week, I have a special, special guest. I would like to welcome my husband, Rick. Good morning. Thanks for having me. (laughs) You're welcome. Mm -hmm. So, we are on a vacation together without our children and we are we travel together to from our home in new jersey out to indiana to pick up our new riverside retro trailer that's right and it's been a lot of fun and i want to thank you publicly rick for taking five days off work at your busy season to come out here with me thank you you're welcome i i really was a little nervous about towing the trailer home by myself absolutely and and we had a lot of trouble yesterday so i would yeah, it, it was a two-man job right from the beginning, for sure. Right, and and you thoroughly enjoyed the factory and seeing all that. Oh, the factory it. was wonderful. Yeah. It was just so cool to see how they make it all, right, from womb to tomb, from the very first A-frame right down to the last piece of caulk that goes on the outside. It was really sharp. I know. I kept trying to tell you things at the factory, and I couldn't find you. You were, like, investigating every station to see what everybody was doing. So the home inspector in you became the trailer inspector. Oh yeah, it was it was really interesting in the way each person has a job, and uh, you know they 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 finish their job and the next one moves along and they've got these campers on wheels that just roll across the floor into the next station. They move sideways. They move sideways until they get to the last station and then they start to roll forward as they go through the finished product. Yeah, that was really neat. But the interesting thing that happened to us when we were driving out here is 
of our destination versus journey styles of travel began to conflict before we even got out of New Jersey, did it? Yes, it often does. Okay, so this can't be unlike many couples. So we broke this down in the car ride out here and in our travels this week. When you're traveling with your spouse or anybody, I guess it could be, that you go with, you have to have sort of compatible travel styles. And you and I have had this issue for 34 years, Mm -hmm. though it's getting better. Mm -hmm. So I'm a journey traveler and you are? A destination traveler. Okay, so will you tell everybody what the destination traveler's mindset is? All us journey travelers would like a window into that. Okay, well, it's it's all about getting there, you know. And it is, you know, for me. I get in the car, and the first thing I start to think of is how long I think I can drive, you know, before I have to turn the wheel over. And uh, I want to use all that energy just to drive and get where I have to go. I don't... I don't want to uh, have to stop along the way, even if there's a, an interesting sidebar. I just um, tend to want to keep going until, you know, I drop, you know. Right. And I, and I think, personally, that stems from the kind of work you do because you're, you're oriented to appointments and time and schedule. You get in the car and you're on the road all day. You're driving all day. And you have a mindset of, Got to be here by then. Got to be there by then. And so when we're on vacation, it's really hard for you to not just uh, to let go of that point A to point B. I got to get where I'm going. Right. That's true. I have a, I have a real trouble with that because, yeah, I live by the clock and I try to be early all the time for appointments. So every time I get in my car, I'm thinking, how do I get from you know where I am to where I have to be? And with the least amount of resistance in between. <laughs> That's how you do it. So you have a hard time switching hats from oh, yeah. husband provider to dad, fun dad on vacation mode. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think on our short journeys, it's even more relevant. But maybe on a, on a longer journey when, where the vacation gets to settle in, I, might, I, I become a little more relaxed. But basically my... MO is like get from point A to point B in the least amount of time. Okay, so I am the total opposite of that. I have a journey mindset when it comes to travel. Mm -hmm. So when I was a kid growing up, my parents used to be just rolling along. And you know how my mom and dad, we had those sayings in our house, go with the flow, just go with the flow. My parents let everything roll off their backs. If we got, we'll get there when we get there was my dad's famous saying. And the other one was that, you know, there's Eastern time, Central time, and Hill time. So if we got there a day later than we were supposed to, well, we had fun along the way. And so we didn't get to go on that boat ride, but we did all these things. So my parents would always pull over. My dad would see a sign, Peaches, two miles down the road. And he would say, let's see what peach farmers do. And we'd go down there and get peaches and just walk around somebody's farm and take an hour and throw all the kids back in the car. So I grew up in that way. And so when you're in the car, I feel so anxious, like, ooh, look at that sign. Ooh, did you see that? Now we're not going to go there because are we going to make an issue over how big that is? Right, and I actually see those signs and hope that you don't. <laughs> you try to distract me in the car. I, I, oh, look, over there. I, I speed up a little bit. <laughs> 
I really do. I know you do. <laughs> I, I got that. I, I caught it, Rick. <laughs> Can't make that up. Okay. So one of the things we were talking about is sort of picking your battles as a couple traveling, right? Right. So one of the things I think for me when it comes to um, destination versus um, journey travel is I have to get in a mindset when I'm traveling with you. I've got to change my thinking a little. Okay, so the first thing I want to do is just get this idea in my head that um, really be mindful of picking what is worth it. Okay, and so I think it's important that if you're going to get off the road, it's something that's going to be of value to everyone. So remember the time we were all, we were going up to Maine and it was the one time you didn't give me a fight. And I said, oh, look at this. It's the Basketball Hall of Fame. Should we get off and go? And you screeched over three lanes to hit the exit? Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great detour. It, you and Nate had a ball. Monique and Georgia and I did a lap around the place, s- killed some time in the cafeteria, and waited for you. But but it was fun. Yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, it was I really enjoyed that. I've always wanted to go there, and we got to see a lot of our our uh, icons and stars, and it was very. It was really enjoyable. You and Nate had a blast. Yeah. So yeah. for me, the number one thing would be try to when traveling with you pick things that would be of interest to you and the kids, the whole family. Yeah. So that would be my number two point: to not treat your husband and your kids like a girlfriend. You guys probably don't want to go to the quilt museum, and you don't want to go to the third antique shop in a row. Right. Sort of been there, done that. Save those kind of things for your girlfriends. Right. Right. And the other thing I think I could do is just decide whether it's worth it. So if I see something, and it's 40 miles down the road, and it's not that interesting to the rest of the family, and it's going to land us at the campground at 10 p.m., Maybe you got to let that go and do it on another trip. Yeah, I mean, and, and for me, the detours are relative to the distance one has to travel, you know, off the main road. You know, if it's just a couple miles, that's not too bad. Um, but if it's like, you know, 30 miles off, you know, in the opposite direction, then I sit there and I start to panic thinking like, you know, it's not just 30 miles in one direction. You got to come back 30 miles, you know. And then, you know, uh, I remember one time we went looking for a place on a detour. It was an old farm that m- produced something. And we must have drove 10 miles down the road only, to, or fifth, I don't know, only to find out that the, the farm was out of business. You yes. Know? And it was this big, hilly, slow thing that you couldn't do more than 25 <laughs> miles an hour on. So we, like, you know, reversed tracks and went all the way back to the highway. And I go, well... I remember complaining about it. What a waste of time. And you said, yeah, but it was a, a beautiful scenery, the hills, the rolling yeah. grass. And, you know, and I thought, okay, that's one way to look at it. But you kind of look at it as you've seen one hill, you've seen yeah. them all. <laughs> after, after a few miles, yeah. I don't need 25 miles of it, you know. I, I got the picture. <laughs> this is good. I took a mental snapshot. Let's get back on the highway. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's what I could do. What can you do? To overcome your destination mindset. Well, I, I know that um, it, it's important to try to be fair, you know. And so, like, 
And I've done my fair share of antiquing over the years, but one thing is to try to do it with a good attitude, you know, uh, and to go into a place. And usually what I find is, you know, antiquing is, you know, something I usually enjoy for about 20 or 30 minutes, you know. Uh, and I like the, the things I like are old uh, things from the 20s and 30s, you know, and, you know, if you can find things like that that can really keep my attention. So I have to, like, um, you know, I have to, like, you know, give my uh, fair share of uh, uh, time to these little sidebars that are going to take us into the places that you enjoy. And like I said, it, it might not have to be 15 miles off the beaten path, but... You know, anything reasonable, I should go, and I should do it with a smile. So, and I usually feel better about it when I'm done anyway, you know? Uh, yeah, I, I think, too, uh, that for you, if you could get to a place of reminding yourself, um, when I'm saying, hey, look at that, let's get off the road and go look at that, 95% of the time when I'm able to convince you to get off the road and go look at something, you'll, you walk away going, hey, that was really good. Well, I, I do, and I remember one time that uh, we were in Massachusetts, though, and this is my biggest fear. Uh, <laughs> we, we pulled into a place, and you saw this table that we liked. It's an 18th century table, and it was like $1,500. <laughs> That's why you don't like antiquing. <laughs> <laughs> and the problem was that I really liked it, too, you know, and I thought this was awesome. This was like 25 years ago or more, maybe 30 years ago. We still have that we table. We still have that table, and it's an absolutely stunning table. But we bought that thing, and they shipped it. We had to get it we shipped. Couldn't, we couldn't. It was like 12 feet long, and, and, and it sat like 14 people. So we, we were actually in our first condo when we got married, and I wanted to stop it. And we were coming home from my cousin's wedding, and we had my little convertible sports car. Yeah, it was not fitting in that. We had a Fiat Spider convertible, two-seater, the, the good old days. Yeah pre-kids, yeah. and we were coming home, and I said, oh, look at that antique yeah. shop, and we went upstairs, and we saw this 12-foot-long oak table with drop leaves that drop all leaves, folded yeah. down to like... To like three feet. Yeah, I, yeah, probably even less, yeah. and I said to you, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be great to have a table like this, because you'd never have to have a card table at the end on Thanksgiving, and we didn't buy it on the spot, but you surprised me. You called the people back when we got home, and they wouldn't take any discount for it because it was in the New York corridor and somebody with really deep pockets from Manhattan is would use it in their hallway. Right. Um, but anyway, that has been our dining room table for 30 years. Yeah, and a lovely one. And, and that's kind of the cool thing, too, because I like to buy things on vacation that I don't like to buy sweatshirts and mugs that say, you know, I went to Connecticut and all I got was this crappy mug. I like to buy things that make their way into our home, right. and it reminds us of a vacation. But when you're married 34 years, you end up having a lot of stuff, and you don't need any new stuff. And that's why I think you hate antiquing now. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I've reached my saturation point, because you go in there and you, you see the same stuff. It's the same stuff all the time. So for many, many years, it was enjoyable. And now... Now it's like I go in and I'm trying to find that one unique piece, you know, mm -hmm. uh, to, you know, to look through and sift through all the stuff I see all the time, you know. Um, so, you know, I, I, yeah, it's lost a little bit of its flavor at this point. All right. So let's summarize this for the um, journey versus destination. Okay. So Janine is going to pick stops that interest you 
and not treat your spouse like a girlfriend. You know, Carol would go, Carol BFF would go to every shop for the entire thing, and we never get tired of it. But also, I have to have a big picture mentality. You know, I can't drag the whole family off the beaten path for, you know, the yarn museum. Okay, we got to try to find things, engage whether or not it's worth the distance we're getting off the highway. But now you, to summarize, you're going to be willing to be in a shift your mindset. You know, you have to shift your mindset from work mode to family mode. Right. And, and you know, I think you're going to do that in different ways than me. You know, you've... Uh, you got it when you get in the car you're still in work mode usually for the first 50 miles you're still calling the office oh yeah Yeah, well that's a big problem when you own your own business you know because you're really never you're never off the clock Uh, and that's always been a problem for me you know I think for a lot of men you know I take it so personally you know I I take every problem personally and uh, but not as much anymore I'm, I'm you know after you know, we've been in business 30 years, and we've got good people now, so I do defer a lot of that. But, boy, in the beginning, the first, you know, 20 years, 20 years or so. <laughs> in the beginning, until last month, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, you are getting better, but it, it's difficult to get you to turn off your phone. Turn so. off the phone. You've got to turn the phone off and just let the people handle it. Okay, and you, I think it's a good point for you to remind yourself when I'm saying, hey, let's get off and look at this, that 95% of the time when we do get off the road, you're always glad we did it. Yeah, um, I remember the time you wanted to go into that candle factory. I do remember that. We talked about it before in this discussion, and I thought, you know, that was something in the end I really enjoyed, but when you brought it up, I thought... You know, I don't want to see, you know, wax candles. Oh, I, let me tell. So we we were driving from New Jersey to Acadia. And we stayed overnight in um, Massachusetts. And just by, we were meeting all your cousins there. And your cousins happened to be in the same hotel. They just happened to stop yeah, there. Yeah, it was crazy. And when we got back in the car and started riding, somewhere in New Hampshire or northern Massachusetts, I saw a sign for the Yankee Candle Factory Tour. Right. And I wanted, and, but we had already stopped at Brimfield, and you were over the top with stops because you were got to get to Maine. So we we did stop at the Brimfield Antiques Fair on the way up there, only because you were shamed into it because your cousin Jeannie was there and she wanted to go too. Right. So and and your cousin Jeannie's husband Bob was like, "Let's go to Brimfield." So you were like, "Oh my gosh, there's it's three against one here. I'm going to have to go." Right, and you found that big piece of. Uh, we found an antique the, mantle. The mantle for Bill's fireplace, and yeah, and your your cousin so Bill the had thing a, was so huge that he had to get a special truck. You called him from the place, you know. That was, was kind of a cool thing because your cousin Bill renovated a three-story Victorian uh, mansion in Cranford, New Jersey, right. and about a week earlier, he sent me specs. He faxed me. A picture of all the dimensions he when he was doing his foyer he found that there had been at one point a fireplace in it that someone sheetrocked over and so he unearthed this beautiful fireplace and he needed a mantle for it and he sent me all the things so we went to Brimfield and I found this gorgeous mantle I pulled out my notes which were in my wallet and it fit perfect I called your cousin he bought it from the guy and picked it up on his way back or had the guy ship it and it was a perfect fit yeah yeah 
But then we went, you know, to the candle factory, Yankee Candle. Well, on the way up there then, I saw the Yankee Candle, but you were on overload because we already stopped at Brimfield. Right. So when we were coming back from Maine, you you said we will we'll go to the Yankee Candle Factory. You sort of did it under duress. But I, yeah, I really enjoyed it once I was in there because it was such a huge um, factory and it had so much, you know, I mean, who, who, there must have been a million different things to look at in there. Well, and then the Christmas, the Christmas uh section was really cool yeah they had it it's so it's if you're ever on i can't remember if it's in massachusetts or connecticut but the yankee cat can uh yankee candle factory tour was really cool and it had an antique car museum attached to it which was a bonus for you and nate right right and then they had that a candle factory but the candle factory was really sort of a small part of it they yeah. had this gigantic christmas ornament thing it was unbelievable i mean it was like it was a factory, like you know, you just walked and walked and walked. There was so much. Stuff yeah, but see. they had that one room in which you went inside of it, and it was like the Swiss Alps. It was a like a ninety nine degree July day when we went there, and then the Swiss Alp thing was going on in this room. You walked in, and they had all the mountains going across the top of the ceiling in a starry sky, and they had a misting machine that was dropping snow on you, but it it sort of melted before it hit you. <laughs> and it had the trains going all through. It, it was so pretty. We thought we'd be there 45 minutes, and we ended up being there like three hours. Yeah, we were there a while, but so it was worth it. you are always happy. Usually when we get off the road to do something, you're happy that yeah. we did. Yeah, but my instincts are always like, i got to get from point A to point B. You know? Especially when we're coming home, because there's always a point in a vacation in which you just go undone. Yeah. And it's usually two or three days before the vacation ends, where you shift. Oh yeah. And you're back in you're back in New Jersey. No, you're at the office. The yeah. phone is you're calling in to see what's going on. Yeah, there's definitely a point where when I when I cross that line it's like I gotta get back. You gotta get back. Okay. So that is your different travel styles. So there's other things that happen to couples when they're journeying together. And the second thing I wanna talk about is the um, who's driving. So there's a Difference in driving styles, and we're no different there. So, you tell what your driving style is, Rick. Well, I mean, I don't go very fast, and everybody knows that. I mean, uh, that's just how I drive. Um, Whether I mean, you're towing a trailer or yeah, not. Or not, yeah. Well, you're 55 you, you, in the yeah, right-hand lane. Yeah, or less. And uh, <laughs> I'll never forget the time your mother one time, 33 years ago, you know, she was late for work, and, you know, she's riding down the highway and wondering what all these cars were backed up and she couldn't get past you know and you know she finally gets over to the fast lane pulls forward and looks over and there i am she sees me holding the traffic doing about 50 miles an hour on the highway and she says there's rick making everybody late this yeah. morning and um so I, you had your diesel rabbit that's right. volkswagen, volkswagen rabbit then rabbit, yeah. Which I used to refer to as the Flintstone car. Yeah. So you've been a slow driver your whole life, and you drive all day long, and you're in no, yeah. you know, you always leave with a big buffer. You yeah. know, you leave plenty of time. Exactly. So this is where our styles sort of shift because I like to get where I'm going. So even though I'm a journey traveler, I want to be in my lane and I want to be driving at the highest safest speed I can go at. Yeah, that's a relative term. 
No, well, I never break the speed limit. I never, I don't go more than 65, especially when towing a trailer. Yeah, well, you do. You drive a lot faster than I do, which makes me nervous sometimes. You sometimes get nervous when you're in the passenger seat. Yeah. yeah. But but in uh, 40 years of driving, I've had one ticket oh, yeah, and zero yeah. accidents. No, I always, I mean, you're a good driver. There's, there's no doubt. But you just, you get behind the wheel and you, you, you go. I don't want a lollygag. Yeah, no lollygagging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where I am usually, usually in the slow lane, taking my time, and it's not because it's not because I I, uh, I, I don't want to get to where I'm going. It's just that you know I I, um, I want to be um, relaxed because I drive all day long. All right. Well, so I I like to get in. Um, I do most of the driving when we're on a family vacation, not only because I'm the faster driver. But because you drive all day, every day, and I just want you to be able to be in the passenger seat and starting to get into relaxing mode. So, but then there's other conflicts that happen in the car. <laughs> so, there's always a little uh, battle of the sexes going on about the temperature in the car. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, I didn't... So it's not as bad now as it used to be years ago when you didn't have all the single seat temperature controls. Right. Now now you can be in the car and you can have your seat heater on and I can have mine off and you can have the temperature blowing on you. But I can remember years ago when we were in Colorado doing our tour of Colorado where I was just in a pool of sweat at every minute. It was July. I was dying. And you were in the car with a hoodie sweatshirt on because I was freezing you out. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you get hot quick and yeah. need a lot of AC, which is fine. You know. Yeah, because it's always easier to get warm than it is to get cool. But sometimes you turn the, the air off altogether, and I do not like that. I always like to feel like there's fresh air coming at me. You know? Right. That, you know, just so that's all easier to control these days with yeah. the way cars are built now. Right. But the other thing that happens um, in the driving uh, thing is the radio. Who's going to control the radio? Yeah, that's a problem. So when I like no radio on in the car, I do not like, very rarely do I listen to music. We did coming out here for a while. Mm -hmm. But if I'm not listening to a podcast, I just want it to be quiet. I like to reduce the noise in my mind. Right, right. Well, I think we used to have a rule that the driver picks the music. The driver is usually in charge of what's playing. Right. Which is another reason I like to be the driver. Could be, but, uh, <laughs> and I like a lot of your music, you know. But I, I, it's not my first choice. Well, and now, but you've started listening to podcasts now. You never listened to podcasts. Yeah, yeah, I didn't, and I. Big problem was just trying to learn how to, to get them on. You know? Yes, it's like that. That was an effort right there. But once I got them on, uh, especially your podcast, I would get up in the morning and just turn the thing on. Well, yeah, you know. Just getting ready for breakfast and everything. Yeah. Maybe get 20 minutes. But you're big on books on tape. I love books But they're not books on tape anymore. Books on CD and... uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Audible. Audible books. Audible books. I love it. And and I can listen to, you know, that really passes the time because if you have a good book and it's interesting topics, you can just sit there and be captivated by it and hours can go by. Yeah, and I think like we're on a like a ten hour. We have like a ten hour trip home tomorrow, and if if we chose a book tonight, we could probably get the whole thing in. Uh, yeah, there, a lot of them are like around ten hours for a decent sized book to 
maybe 14 hours at the most. Do you remember someone gave us a walk in the woods? Um, Bryce, Tom Bryce, was that his name? Uh, about the Appalachian Trail. And we put that in, it was a, a pack of cassette tapes. This was so long ago. Oh. We put it in when we were pulling out of Acadia, Maine, and we finished the last tape pulling in our driveway. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. And, but watch what you tell your kids, because Nate was in fifth or sixth grade when we listened to that, and it never left his head. And then he ended up growing up and through hiking the trail. Yeah, he did. <laughs> so be careful what you yeah, listen to. Right. <laughs> you may be inspiring your kids in ways that will drive you nuts later. Right, yeah, to be an astronaut. Or, <laughs> or maybe in a good way. Right. Okay, so destination versus journey. There are some things for that. Different driving styles. There's compromises that can be made there. And so here's our big thing, though. Eating on the road, road food. You and I completely differ when it comes to road food. Yeah, we do. We do. Um, so you tell what your idea of fun f road food and family vacation eating is. Right. Well, the um, the the thing I like to do uh, is when I'm driving along, I like to stop. You know, I like to stop, go inside, relax, have a lunch, you know, and sit down and just enjoy it. And I find, you know, I don't know, I just. Um, I enjoy sitting down for that half an hour to, uh, you know, have a, a nice little lunch. And sometimes, you know, uh, the food isn't all that great. You know, it's the same junk. But sometimes now today, you know, because they're they're making more healthy choices, you know, so when I go in there, sometimes I can get a salad, you know, a chicken salad or mm -hmm. something like that. But I still like to sit down and eat it where you... So when you say sit down and eat it, tell where you're sitting and eating it. Well, at the place. At a rest stop. Yeah, at the rest stop. I don't want to on a highway. It. Yeah, I don't want to like <laughs> like you, you put it on your lap, get in the car, and go. I mean, that's what I do during the week. I know. Well, so that's the problem. That's when the problem. you eat on the road, you're you're eating in your car a lot because you're getting from one stop to the next. You right. know, you if your schedule is very tight and you've got to drive thirty or forty miles to your next appointment, you often eat in the car. That's right. Almost but when, when we travel with the kids, or even with you and I, I like to pack the cooler with fresh food. I like, you know, I like to have carrots and celery and hummus to just uh, dip in the car as a midday sort of healthy snack. Which is good. And, but I like to make sandwiches at home. Like, you know, the kids love the caprice sandwich when I make it with mozzarella and basil and the basil mayonnaise. And I like to make that ahead and have it all cut up. Right. So we can keep making time. Right. And I just like to give everybody their little healthy sandwich, and we're eating, but we're moving along, we're making progress, we're, this gives us the buffer to stop at some place, because we haven't wasted a half an hour or 45 minutes on a Pennsylvania Turnpike rest stop. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you put it like that, your argument sounds much better than mine. It's healthier. Right. It's cheaper. It's a lot cheaper, yeah. Because it's funny, you do not want the kids to buy popcorn at the theater. No. No, yeah. you can't stand to buy food at a movie. Right. But when we're on vacation and the kids are spending $8 on a, a lunch Jump. each at a rest stop, I'm going out of my mind because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I could have made such a nice sandwich, you know, for everybody. But that's just your thing. You like yeah, that. I don't say that doesn't seem to bother me at all for some reason. I don't know. No, you d that doesn't it's bother like, you. To me, it's like it's part of the uh, 
it's the expense that goes along with the journey there. You know, it's like uh, you go to these You build that you, into you the vacation. Junk, you buy junk food, you know, and, you know, you enjoy it. That's the one time you can really, you know, enjoy it. Um, yeah, so I, I understand that. You're... There's, there's nothing. I love your snacks. I mean, when I eat them. I mean, believe me, when I'm driving, I well, sit there and constantly, you know, eat this. And carrots. that's a problem too, isn't it? That's a different. That's a food style too. Yeah. So you entertain yourself in the car by snacking the entire time we're driving. It does pass time. You're eating carrots. You're eating apples. Right. I try to eat good stuff when I'm driving because I need the energy to last. And you need to counteract the crap you just yeah, ate at the uh, rest stop. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> I, I, eat, I snack on the carrots, and you used to get the um, what are those things called? The pea pod things, you know? Oh, snow peas. Snow peas. I love those. You know. Yeah, I like to put all those in a little cooler, but I like to just stop and have those for a midday snack in the car, and for me. I don't eat while I'm driving. Like, Carol and I travel a lot together, and Carol is the queen of cheddar cheese. Carol buys those little individually packaged cheddar cheese, right. and, and we just have apple and a piece of cheese or a handful of um, almonds. Because I have this mindset that at the end of this day, there's a big prize waiting for me. I'm going to drive all day. I'm going to get a lot of miles behind me. And when I get to my destination, my reward is going to be a delicious dinner mm. of real food at a restaurant. Right. And probably a, an adult beverage along with that. Mm -hmm. And so I keep that prize in my mind. But you just snack, 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 snack all day long. And yeah. when we get where we're going, you're like, I'm not really hungry. <laughs> that happens sometimes, yeah. Sometimes it happens all the time. Yeah. But then yeah. you have to sit at the restaurant with me while I eat. <laughs> yeah, um, I understand that. Yeah, I mean, and, you Drew, know. do you remember the time the kids made that sign for you? Please don't feed the daddy, and they hung it on your chest while I'm you were saying that, but I don't remember it. But <laughs> so we were. I assume it would make sense. It was when we took the kids to Prince Edward Island, and they yeah. kept wanting to stop for lunch, and you weren't hungry because you've been eating since we got in the car. Yeah. That was such a long drive. <laughs> that was the longest drive ever. It took us like four days to get there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was. Four wonderful days through beautiful scenic roads. Yeah. The, I, and we stopped <laughs> at the, what was the place where the, the, the bay was? The, the Bay of Fundy. That was amazing. That, that was, was amazing. That was. And that's where we, I think we stopped in, in Camden, Maine. Camden, Maine, yeah. Camden, oh, Maine, one of our favorite family stops oh, ever. Oh, that was yeah. like... Like Cabot going, Cove, like, like going back in time. Oh, it was so, and we've been there like three times since. Yes. We hardly ever go to Maine that we don't stop in Camden because yeah, we love it. Yeah, you try to make that a destination point because it is such a unique little place. Right, unbelievable. So the pros and cons of the food are: if you stop at a rest stop, you know your your feeling is that um, it's safer to eat. You know, it is a hazard when you're trying to eat while driving. Even right. though I cut up everything real small and wrap it up for you and hand it to you. Right. <laughs> you, you, it is safer to just be still and focusing your attention on eating. And you feel like the stop just lessens the fatigue for you. It, yeah. You need to break up. You don't like to, like I can drive 10 hours without stopping. Yeah, right. And I used to be able to drive a lot yeah. longer when I was younger, but I can't. Remember the time we left Chicago at Thanksgiving and I said I'll start driving and I pulled into our driveway in New Jersey 11 hours later? I wouldn't turn the wheel over. 
Yeah, you can do that sometimes. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a long, I'm a good long distance driver, but you need to stop and lessen the fatigue, mm-hmm. and you just enjoy your meal more when you're sitting still and you're right. Yeah, and and it is a nice departure from the road, you know. Yeah. Even though it's just a rest stop, but. And for me, the cons of that whole thing is that I don't want to waste my time on vacation on food unless it's food once we get where we're going. Like, I really enjoy cooking at the campground and doing the Dutch oven cooking, and I like to do the pizzas on the grill. Like, I've got all that in my cooler. Usually when we're driving, I've got a steak marinating, and in my mind, I like, I know when we get this trailer set up and stabilized and you're getting the fire going, this steak is going on the grill, and oh my gosh, we're going to sit down and have this great meal, and that's our prize for the end of the day. But if I've been eating all day, that's not an incentive for me. Right. So I like, I don't like to waste time on food, and I feel like the food that you get at rest stops is mostly crappy. Mostly, yeah. Although they're better now. It is better. Yeah. You can get some... You can get some healthy snacks. You know, well, I usually end up just getting hummus and an apple. Right. But you and the kids get all that stuff. But the third part of the con for me is that that food is super expensive. Yes. Oh, yeah. You know, sure. I could buy T-bone steaks for everybody in the family on what we would spend on two days in rest stop junk food. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's it, it's all very expensive. and. But you cook. That's what you do. You are a great cook. Oh, thank you. And you, you know, I like food. Yeah, and you like to prepare. So, like, and I look forward. And I like to feed my family. Yeah. So, like, when you're riding along, and I'm thinking, well, let's just go in here and get something to eat. You're in your mind preparing, like, well, this is what I'm going to need to go. You know, to to when we get to where we're going, you're going to make the steak, and you're going to have all the things that go with it that we all love you know mm-hmm. but that's I was reading Monica Bennett's blog on Go RVing the other day and she was talking about all the food she made and she talked about the creamy gorgonzola cheese with prosciutto and pomegranate seeds on it I couldn't get it out of my mind all day long I had to go to the store and buy it <laughs> that sounds so see that's what I like to do at the end of a trip yeah okay well I Thank you for coming on the show, honey, to talk about, you know, people's different travel styles, Um, you know, and um, I think there's ways to overcome those things. And I think if you're going to be a good travel buddy, you've got to strike a balance. Yes, I think you do. And that's the that's the thing. You just have to give and take and it'll work both ways. And uh, you can have a very enjoyable vacation that way. So we've got 10-hour drive in front of us tomorrow. <laughs> so we're, we're going to be implementing some of these things, yeah, right? I hope we take our own advice. <laughs> okay. Thanks for, thanks, thanks for coming on. Yes, I thanks. appreciate it. I hope I did a good job. You did a good job. At, thanks for being my Mr. Sister. Oh, my pleasure. Taking five days off at the height of your busy season to come out and get our... This is really our new family camper. Yes, it is. But, but I'm going to be using it for my girl trips, yeah, too. It's pretty exciting. It is exciting. We'll talk about that on another show. All right. Because that was a whole compromise, too. Yes, it was. You'll have to come back where we talk about the he said, she said, and how we ended up with this Riverside Retro, because we started out at Polar Opposite. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a lot of conversation, isn't it? Yeah, you wanted the 27-foot International Airstream. It would have been nice, but... But, but we got a kid to put through college still. Yeah, that's <laughs> One right. more. That's okay. Exactly right. Five years from now. All right. All right. Thank you, hon. You're welcome, sweetie. I'd like to thank my special guest, my husband, Rick, 
not only for being on the show today, but for taking five days off to come with me to Indiana and for spending the extra special day at Haydesey Airstream with me last Saturday where we were teaching women how to camp like girls. I would also like to thank my sponsors, Progressive Insurance. I'd also like to thank my producer, Stephanie Puglisi. Stephanie and her husband, Jeremy, can be heard every Friday on the RV Family Travel Atlas podcast and every Wednesday on Campground of the Week. I'll be back here next week with another episode of the Girl Camper Podcast. Happy trails, everyone.